happy Easter. Um, welcome to Hope Denver if you are tuning in with us for the first time. Uh, we're so happy to have you join us and we just wanted you to know that God loves you and we love you too. Even if we don't know you yet, we already love you and we're so happy that you're joining us, whether it's on Facebook Live or if you've joined our Zoom call, we're so excited to have you here. Um, my name is also Kelsey. I'm the other Pastor Kelsey here. Um, I'm Kelsey Shepherdson, and I have the privilege of sharing the Word of God with you tonight as we celebrate Easter. Uh, just a quick announcement for our members of Hope Denver. So if you call Hope Denver home, we just wanted to give you a reminder that we're still receiving tithes and offerings on HopeDenver.com. Uh, we're still paying, paying rent um, to our building that we usually use because we want to keep supporting them throughout this. And we're also trying to support families who are struggling financially who belong to our church during this time. So please continue to give those. And thank you so much for your generosity. You've all been awesome throughout this whole thing. So thank you so much and continue to do that. But that's just for those of you who are members, please, if you're online and you're visiting with us, don't feel like that's directed towards you at all. Um, but I'm so happy that we're celebrating Easter together today. I know this celebration is different than what we're used to. Um, this is, it's strange to be in our own homes and not able to, sh to share this day with family, and with friends that we love so much. But in some ways, this is a really unique Easter and a special opportunity because it's hopefully the closest that we'll ever come to being in the same situation that the disciples were on Holy Saturday after Jesus was killed. Um, they were hidden indoors, they were locked inside for fear that they would be killed in the same way that uh, Jesus was killed. And so likewise, we're kind of hidden inside. We're, we're not, uh, we're not uh, probably as, quite as afraid as they are, but there's definitely been fear and anxiety and things are different right now. And so we have this unique, unique opportunity to kind of empathize with that situation. And also to remember that on Sunday morning, the resurrected Christ bursts upon that difficult weekend with life and hope and healing. Um, and that's what we get to celebrate tonight. So that's so exciting. Um, if you would go ahead and turn in your Bibles, if you're following along, we're going to be in Hebrews 6 tonight, which is a little non-traditional for Easter. Um, but you'll, you'll understand when we get there what we're, what we're going for. Uh, but the story of Jesus is, it's the best story ever told. And uh, the Jesus resurrection is the happiest ending that there could ever be to a story. It's the reason for the hope we have. And that's what I want to share with you tonight. Uh, if Jesus is really risen from the dead, it changes absolutely everything. And uh, if Christianity is new to you, or if it's stale to you, or you're just somewhere on your faith journey and you're not there yet, you're welcome. And that's actually what our church is for. We started this church for people who are questioning and who are seeking and who are wondering uh, about God and what this whole thing about Jesus is. And um, if, if you are even just thinking like, how could someone believe that there's this man who, who was risen from the dead? That's a great question. And actually um, on our church blog this week, there is an article, a blog post up on um, why do we believe that the resurrection actually happened? So you can check that out if you're interested. Um, but the title of our message tonight is Unshakable Hope. Unshakable Hope. And we're going to be talking about the amazing hope that we have because of Christ risen. And we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 6, and we're going to be reading verses 13 through 20, if you want to get there. 
But Hebrews is a book in the Old Testament, or sorry, in the New Testament, um, and it's of unknown authorship. We're not quite sure who the author was. It was written as a sermon for the purpose of encouraging Christians to stand their ground and keep the faith in the, in the midst of persecution and opposition. And the Hebrews passage that we're looking at tonight is written to encourage discouraged Christians, to encourage discouraged people. And so I think it's really fitting for where we are right now as a society. So let's go ahead and begin at verse 13. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So the section title in my Bible for this passage is titled The Certainty of God's Promise. There are a lot of worldviews out there today that latch on to the idea of hope. Hope is important. Hope sells. People need hope in, our, in their lives. But I think that we see that oftentimes in our world, hope can be rooted in some very sandy and unsteady ground. And expressions of hope and positivity, they can seem trite sometimes when we find ourselves in dire circumstances. I think we can consider our current cultural moment with this. That, for example, to tell an ER nurse right now to just keep the faith and hold out hope that things will get better, that that would come off as trite if there's no basis on which she can build her faith that things will get better. And if our government and our people are unwilling and unable to take steps towards securing a more positive future and an ending to COVID-19, if a nurse can't see that those things are happening, then nurses and doctors all over the world have no basis for hope that things will get better. Luckily, there are things being done. But as you can see, hope needs an anchor. We need a basis or a reason for the hope that we have. And that's what this message is talking about. That's what the author here is saying is that you can know that your hope isn't in vain, that your hope isn't pie in the sky kind of wishful thinking for three different reasons. And those reasons are these. Number one, you can know because of the solemnity of God's promises that God takes his promises seriously. The second thing is God's unchangeable character, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And number three, the certainty of God's word, the certainty of God's word. So these things, these are the basis for our hope. These are the reasons that we can be joyful and hopeful people, even in the midst of troubling times. Let's go again to verses 13 through 15, just for a second. So this says, when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. 
So what this is referring to, it's talking about God's promise to Abraham to make him a great nation. And Abraham had to wait many years to see the fulfillment of that promise. But God kept his promise to Abraham, and Abraham is counted as the patriarch of the Jewish people. Let's continue to verse 16. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. So this is saying that people swear by what is greater than them to put others at ease. We hear people say that. People sometimes swear to God, even though the Bible says not to do that. But people do that because, and because God's character is unchanging. We shouldn't need him to swear an oath. But in God's great mercy, he knows that we need that kind of certainty. So he swears by himself. He says he will swear on his own name that this is true and that he will keep his promise. He did that for Moses, and he also does that for us as believers in Christ. He promises us things. In 2 Corinthians 1.22, it says that God has placed his seal on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So God has guaranteed us life forever with him by sending Jesus to die and resurrect from the dead and by depositing his Holy Spirit in our hearts upon our acceptance of Christ as our savior. So he's given us this promise. He's given us this oath that one day we will be with him forever. Verse 18, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. So this is saying, it's saying that God's nature and God's oath are both unchangeable, that we can have a sure hope because our hope is based in God's character and in God's promise. The phrase there that says, fled to take hold of the hope, that refers to the people of God turning from discouragement and from apathy. And I don't know about you, but I've needed lately to turn from discouragement. God's heart is for us to turn from discouragement and, and apathy and to be greatly encouraged by him. The New King James Version says it slightly better, and I, so I want to read it to you as well. It says that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation. God doesn't just want us to have mere consolation. God doesn't want us just to have a small encouragement in our hearts. God wants us to have a strong encouragement. He wants us to have a strong consolation. A strong consolation is a comfort that is enough, no matter how dire the circumstance we find ourselves in. The influential preacher Charles Spurgeon, he spoke of strong consolation in this way, and I'm going to read the quote to you. He said, it is a strong consolation that can deal with outward trials when a man has poverty staring him in the face and hears his little children crying for bread, when bankruptcy is likely to come upon him through unavoidable losses, when the poor man has just lost his wife and his dear children have been put into the same grave, when one after another all earthly props and comforts have given way, it needs a strong consolation then not in your pictured trials, but your real trials, not in your imaginary whimsied afflictions, but in the real afflictions and the blustering storms of life to rejoice then and say, though these things be not with me as I would have them, yet hath he made with me an everlasting covenant ordered in all things and sure, this is a strong consolation. So through Christ's life, and death and resurrection, we have been given a strong consolation, 
a strong comfort, a strong hope that does not depend upon bodily health. And it doesn't depend upon the excitement of public services and Christian fellowship, although we love those things and miss them dearly. It's a hope that's not affected by external circumstances at all. It's a hope that cannot be shaken. Verse 19, our anchor of hope is Christ risen. It says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So the author uses the metaphor of an anchor here. And the anchors are important because they keep a vessel from drifting away. It keeps it, the vessel in a fixed area. And the rougher the weather becomes, the more important an anchor is. Ships need to have a strong anchor. And after the mention of an anchor, the Hebrews author starts to mix metaphors a bit. And he starts to describe this anchor, which is our hope, entering the inner sanctuary of the tabernacle behind the curtain. Now, to a, to a Jewish audience, this would have connoted this bold and audacious entering into the presence of God, the place where God dwelt. This would have caused um, death in ancient Israelite worship. You didn't just walk into the presence of God. You weren't, you weren't righteous enough to do that. And only a priest who had thoroughly atoned for his own sins and the sins of the people was allowed to go behind that curtain and only once a year. But Jesus came to do away with forever the separation between God and humankind that comes from sin. The Bible says that at the moment of Jesus' death, that the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. This barrier in the temple that was a symbol of the separation between God and humanity, that was instantly and miraculously opened upon the death of Jesus. And that represented something huge and important that was happening in the spiritual realm upon Jesus' death, that God was building a bridge between himself and humanity, that he was removing all barriers to us being with him. We can have real hope because of Jesus crucified and risen. Now in verse 20, Jesus is also, he's referred to as our forerunner. We know what our future looks like because he has gone before us. So we know that in this life, we're gonna face trouble, we're gonna face persecution, suffering, and ultimately death in this lifetime. But we look forward expectantly to joy and triumph and peace and ultimately the resurrection of our bodies in the age to come. We will rise again because Jesus rose again. Our future is full of triumph. And we know this because of the victory that Jesus has already won by triumphing over death and the grave. He went first, he paved the way, and that gives us hope because we've seen it happen already. It's an amazing, it's an amazing, unshakable hope. I wanna end with uh, going back to the resurrection account Matthew 28, two through six says this, there was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. So you can see our God is a God who keeps his promises. 
He is a God. It says there that he did just as he said. Jesus did just as he said he would do. God kept his promise to Abraham. He keeps his promise to the children of Israel to send a savior. And Jesus will keep his promise to return for those who love him to come and, and, and return and set the world right. He's going to remake the world. He's going to bring the dead to life. He's going to wipe away every tear. He's going to heal every sickness. And he's going to be our God forever. He's going to reign forever and ever. And we have an unshakable hope because we have a trustworthy God who has demonstrated his unconditional love for us by dying on the cross and who's demonstrated the mighty power that he has over death by rising from the grave. If you're out there tonight and you are just knowing that you need that resurrection hope in your life, you need that unshakable hope, we're going to pray together. And I would just like you to pray in your heart, ask the Lord to be your savior, to fill you with that hope. I know we all need hope right now. And I just, I want to pray for everyone, but especially if you're out there and you're just saying, I need Jesus in my life and I haven't had him before in that way as my savior. Um, just feel free to, to say this prayer in a real, real way in your own heart between you and God. But I want to pray for us all that we would look to the unshakable hope of Jesus in this strange season and that we would be people who have joy and who have peace despite what all the circumstances around us might dictate because we know that our God is trustworthy. Let's pray. Well, dear Lord, I just, I thank you so much that even though we're apart in body, that we are united in spirit. I thank you, Lord, that because of you, we have a strong consolation and an unshakable hope that does not disappoint. That God, we can have joy and we can have peace no matter what our circumstances look like on the outside, because you are risen from the grave, because you have triumphed over death and over sin. We thank you for that, Lord. God, for those of us who are listening right now, who, who just haven't had that unshakable hope in our lives, Lord Jesus, would you just come in right now? Would you come into their hearts? Would you bring your salvation? Would you bring your peace and your joy? Pray that you would just help them to say yes to you right now. And Lord, for those of us who've known you for a long time when we've known that hope, but God, we can so easily forget would you refresh us and renew us and restore in us that hope that we have, that hope of our salvation that brings us joy and peace. God, we just look to you today and we thank you. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for, for dying, Lord, so that we can have access to God and that we can live with you forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you again so much for joining us. Um, I want to invite you to join us again next week. We're doing this every week until we're back in person. Uh, so please do join us. We're at uh, hopedenver.com. You can go there to join our Hope at Home link and you're able to join the Zoom link. Uh, if you are a visitor, again, just a reminder to go and fill out that connect card. We would love to pray with you this week. Let us know how we can support you and your family during this trying time. Um, we just love to, to help you in any way we can. Anyway, happy Easter. God bless you and your family and enjoy your evening.